All right, welcome to the Chaz Palmitary Podcast. We are back. And before I bring out my special guest, I want to remind you all, go to chazpalmitary.net to find out the dates for the one-man show. Come and see it. September 10th, Lancaster, PA, American Music Theater. September 17th, Detroit, Michigan, the Music Hall. October 1st, folks, I haven't been on Broadway doing the one-man show in 15 years. And I'm back doing one night only. One night only on Broadway, October 1st, on 43rd Street at the Town Hall. This is going to be a special show because this is the first time I'll be doing a Q&A after the show. We're going to have microphones in the audience and the people are going to give me a Q&A. We might have a couple of special guests there, which I won't mention their name because they're not committed yet, but I'm going to try to get them there. Uh, at the Town Hall uh, on Broadway, October 1st. Get your tickets now. Also, uh, what is this, October 8th? I'll be in Springfield, Massachusetts, MGM Casino, Boston, October 9th in Boston, Emerson, Emerson Colonial Theater in Boston. And the last but not least is Pittsburgh, PA. I'll be at the Byram Theater, and that is November 11th and 12th. Okay, my special guest today. Before I bring my special guest on, I want to tell you that we are doing our own podcast, our own podcast together, besides mine and besides his that's just as fuck is blew up his podcast forget it but we're going to be doing our own because so many people so many people requested us to be together and it's called uh palmetary francis the wise and the wise guy and he is my next guest on today on my show getting ready to do our podcast together the great the one and only the legend his, his life could fill up a thousand novels, trust me. Michael Francis. Michael. Chaz, you got me in studio. I got you in my studio. <laughs> and I got to tell you this, you know, you know, I live out in California yes. now, you know, it's beautiful out there. I mean, you can't complain about the weather. You got the West, best weather Great probably weather. in the world. Yes, in the world. But when I come back here and I get around my my own people, right. I, it's just something different, man. I don't know. The, the adrenaline, juice. Yeah. It's the juice is different. Yes. It's just, uh, you know, I was at a, a church this morning and, uh, you know, just being around Jersey and New York people, it's just like, it's invigorating. It's it's different. Yeah. It's different. I mean, I, I, I love L.A. I do. I love going there. Yeah. Uh, I love where you live. Oh, my God. That's. Yeah, it's nice. Well, you're not in L.A. You know, no, I mean, I, well, we lived in L.A. 25 years. Right. And then moved out to Orange County, Newport Beach, and I'd never moved back to L.A. Oh, my never. God. It's beautiful out yeah, there. It's nice. When I was just out there to visit you, when we did some of our shows out there, it was great. Yeah. Oh, real, really uh, a, a great place. But I said to myself, you know, we always, we're going to do our own podcast talking about Machiavelli, mm -hmm. and we're going to break down books of success and how that relates to the mob. So I said, there's a question I, I, I just thought of that I want to ask you. Michael, why is it, after all these years, the mafia has been around since forever, right? Since over 100 years. Over 100, over 100 years. years here in the United States. It goes back further in Italy. It goes yes. back further in Italy. Why is it, after all these years, people know what happens to people who are in the mafia. They either end up dead or in jail. Mm -hmm. It's not a great life, you know that. Mm -hmm. It always ends in disaster. Why, in God's name, do people still want to be the boss and get into it? Why? 
You know, it's this, I, I'll tell you the answer to that. When I was in that life, right. it was my life. You know, it's, this is what I did every day. I didn't think outside the box. You didn't think you were going to be arrested one day or end up in jail? You didn't think of that? You know, I thought I would, but you always feel like, ah, I can overcome it. You know, it's, right. that's no big deal. And, you know, you just have that attitude. It's not an invincible kind of thinking, but you just think you can overcome it. But when I got out of the life and I started seeing how intriguing it is to people outside of the life, you know this, all over the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, Chaz, I'm in Singapore, and I have to do a two-hour Q&A in Singapore talking to people because they have so much, so many questions about the life. And why is it? It's because of somebody like you, the movies. I mean, yeah. they see that movie, they see the character of, of Sonny, and they're fascinated by the power, you know, the, the way you, you held yourself, the control, you got the nice cars, you got the women. You know, it, it's, it's crazy, Chaz. I'll talk to young kids, these gangbangers, you know, right. I sit down with them, I try to redirect their lives, and they'll tell me, oh my, come on, you know, I saw this movie, Goodfellas, I saw Bronx Tale, you guys had the car, you guys had the women, you had all the power. I said, I know, but didn't you see the end of the movie? <laughs> right. <laughs> you didn't watch that part? Who got killed, who went to jail, who lost everything? They don't see that part. So to answer some of your questions, when guys are in that life, it's just, it's power and control. You know, you want to rise to the top. They want power and control. And it's, how, it's how intoxicating. How strong that must be, right? Oh, it is. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. I mean, you know, look, you know, when, when you have a taste of it, you want more. You know, it's funny. When I was, uh, unfortunately, when I was defrauding the government out of tax on every gallon of gasoline, right. which I'm going to be honest with you, Chance, I'm so tempted right now. It's, I'll never do it. Don't get right. me wrong. But, right. you know, with the crazy prices. But, you know, somebody said to me, Michael, you know, you got all this money. Why don't you just stop? Right. And I thought about it. And I said, you know what? You get as much time for a million dollars as you do for a billion dollars. So why would I give it up? I may as well keep going. And that's the kind of attitude. You don't want to give it to somebody else. You know, if somebody, you know, you're in that life and they want to make you a captain or an underboss, you're not going to say no. You know, it's you're okay. Not. No. Well, how do they expect you? You were making, I don't know, eight million a week or whatever. Yeah, we, we're bringing in eight to ten million dollars a eight week. Eight to ten million dollars a week. How do you just go, you know what? I had enough. I'm getting out. Because it's hard to do that. It's, you know, the smart money says, okay, I got it, let's go. But you just can't. You can't because uh, how are you going to give that up? Well, when you guys were making that much money, Michael, obviously you can't put it in the bank. What do you do with it? Well, we, I had a, a pretty sophisticated um, system. I right. Mean, I had a few accountants working for me. We were sending uh, money overseas. I want to tell you a story. I had a, I won't mention the bank, but I had a bank in Long Island. Right. And the manager worked very closely with me. So one day, his name was Rocco. And he knew. You know, he didn't know exactly because I never <laughs> discussed it with him. I just always told him business was good, right? But I said to him, Rocco, I said, listen, <laughs> business is changing. I, I walk into the bank. I said, you got a basement here? He says, yeah, why am I? He says, let's go down to your basement. We go down to the basement. I said, Rocco, listen, business is really good. I said, I'm going to be bringing in a lot of cash. I said, I want, I want to redo your basement. I said, build a counter. We'll put a, a, a big safe down here. Hire a couple of people at my expense. I says, and make this basement for me. And he said, uh, really, Mike, that much? And I said, yeah. So he says, well, how much money are you going to bring in? 
So I said, well, I'll let you know tomorrow. Right. So the next day, I come in with, because we had it in boxes. We had so much cash. Right. You know, 20s, 10s. Well, I mean, it was all small right. dollars from the gas. We had 350 gas stations. So we walked down the stairs, and I start bringing down. I have my guys bringing in these boxes. We brought in about seven or eight boxes filled with cash. You know, I was like this. Right. So he said, when are you going to start construction? <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, he was happy and he was, you know, we were So he never asked out. you where it was coming from. You never told no. him. No, and I want to be honest with you, too. It wasn't like I was paying him off. He loved to go to Westbury Music Fair and see uh, shows there. I said, anytime you want a show, you got it. I, would I mean, by rights, he could have asked you for he something. He could have asked me, you know. and He could have, he could have no. got, he said, look, I want some juice. And, but Nothing. Well, but that that was his way of not going to jail. Exactly. And you I know, didn't know anything about it. He didn't know I anything. never asked him for anything. That's it. He never said anything to me out of the way, and that was it. His name he, was He Rocco. never got in trouble, yeah. He never smart got in guy, trouble. Rocco. It was smart. Well, he was Italian. <laughs> he was smart. And you know what? He, he got questioned heavily afterwards, and he said, hey, I don't know anything. They're doing business. They're right, doing, because if refuse? they would have had paper transfer for you to him, that's yeah. it. He said, I'm a bank. What am I supposed to do, refuse the money when they bring it in? He says, they're bringing money. I'm transferring it here and there, and I did what they asked me to do. That was wow. it. But you know what? Today, yeah. that wouldn't fly. I was going to say. No, it would not fly. But this is back in the 70s and the 80s. Today, it wouldn't fly. It wouldn't fly. No, too many. Now you got too many reporting requirements. You know, I was trying to, I was, uh, I, I, you know, this is current. I had a Russian that wants to invest in my business. And he had put money from a Russian bank into Barclays Bank in, uh, in London. And to get that money transferred to me, you would not believe all the, the uh, uh, money, anti-money laundering statements really? and everything we had to fill out. Yeah. And then the war in Ukraine hit and everything went upside down anyway. But the restrictions, the requirements they're asking for now, forget it. Wow. I'm curious, Michael, when you were making 8 to $10 million a week, was there ever a threat from somebody trying to cut in on that? Like the Russians or the Chinese? Or all something? the time. All the time? Yeah. But it was guys from other families that were trying to get a piece of the business. So what, what did you say? I'm with so-and-so. Here's what I did. When I realized what I had, I went to my boss at the time, Persigal, and I said to him, Junior, look, I'm going to show you more money than you've ever seen before. He immediately said, we don't do drugs. I said, Junior, come on. You know I'm not into drugs at all. I said, it's gas. I said, but here's what's going to happen. As soon as everybody knows what we're doing, they're all going to want a piece. Everybody's going to want to try to get in through the back door, whatever way they do it. I said, you can't let that happen. I said, because if people get involved, we're going to blow it. I said, I got to keep this as tight as I possibly can. I told mm. them, I said, I got the Russians working with me. I can control them. They're good people. I said, but we can't let this go outside of our crew here. Mm. And I said, so here's what you got to do. I got to win every argument because you know we're going to have them. I said, every time we sit down, you got to support me. I said, please don't play any politics or anything like that. I said, I'm going to show you how much money you're going to make. And he said, show me. And I showed him. I never lost an argument. In seven years, never lost an argument. So when other families tried to buckle in, Junior just said, this is our thing. It's ours. Get the fuck out. Basically, yes. You know, so I, basically, you were protected. I was totally protected, yeah. Totally protected. Now, you know, and John Gotti tried to make a, uh, make a move on me. Vic Arena, you know, they're gone now. I could talk. Well, Vic's yeah, in jail. But did you have to kick up to them anything? No, no. Mm -mm. So they were pissed off. They were pissed, but like, you know, they would come to me for credit because some of them were trying to get into the business, but I was a supplier. I had the licenses. So they had to come to me, right? Uh -huh. It was very hard to get the license. So 
I would give them credit, but I, I told Junior, if I'm giving these guys credit, you got to make sure we get paid. Because, you know, gas is like money. If you got gas, it's money. It's in the ground. You turn it over. And so did minute, they pay? They, they paid. paid. Yeah, we got paid. We got paid. Now, if you were just some smart businessman, forget about it. You oh, would have got eaten up. Destroyed. You, you wouldn't have been able. You couldn't exist in that life as a legitimate guy without somebody being with you at that time. Right. Because there was so much going on. I, like, I wasn't the only guy that do, was doing it. Right. Russians were into it. There was a couple other crews. But honestly, I think we were doing it better than anybody. Because everybody was coming to us for it. Wow. I mean, I, no, not for nothing, but they're going to make your, your life a, a movie, you know? Well, they're doing that. I know that. <laughs> That's <laughs> why I thought I'd give a plug yes, there for you. Yes, And we're getting close now. We're getting close. close. I mean, yeah. your life, I said it's a thousand novels. It's like amazing, man. It's just, it's just amazing. Do you talk about any of the guest things in your book, Mafia Democracy? Um, no. You don't? No, not really. Yeah, if you don't, if, guys, if you don't have his book, so it was on the bestsellers list, yes. right? It was on Amazon. Can, and, give me that. It's right there. Let me yeah. just give you a plug right here. Good. Mafia Democracy. Here it is. A great book. I read it. Michael Francis. How Our Republic Became a Mob Bracket. Oh, we could spend a few hours talking about that. Yeah. And you know, Chaz, on a serious note, people need to understand, I put a lot of work into this because right. the reason I wrote the book Right. Really because of my kids and my grandkids, because I just don't like the direction that the government is going in. They're very Machiavellian, as you know, very yes. mob-like. And uh, we got to be aware of it, and we got to put the right people in office and vote the wrong people out of office. That's that's all I'm asking people to do. Right. You're not. You're, you're very like, you know, it's not like you're a staunch Republican or, or no. a, a Democrat. You're just common sense. I'm, I'm conservative in my values. Yes. But I'm an independent in that way. I'm an independent too, yes. I want to see the best man, the best people in office. And listen, you know what I believe? You know, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, but I believe most of this country thinks alike. Yes. You know, Democrat, Republican, mostly, most Democrats are moderate Democrats. They're right. not all the way to the left. That's very true. Sometimes, the, but the problem is the people with the microphone is that 1% or 2%. They talk the loudest. And they talk the loudest, and yeah. that's what happens to yeah. us. I know. But people pretty much, even now we can see things that are going on, people are pretty well united on what they feel. And it doesn't matter what side they're on. And the book is bipartisan. I don't go with it is left bi right. It is very bipartisan. bipartisan. That's correct. Yeah. It's it the system. You know, it's, it's, you know this, you know, money and power, they're powerful aphrodisiacs. Oh. When people smell it and feel it, they don't yes. want to give it up. They don't want to give it up. You know. I, I, I totally agree with you. But that's amazing how, uh, like you said, people, they know, they know they're going to go to jail, or they maybe they don't know, but they just think they could keep getting away with it. But. Well, Chaz, look, I got to be honest. Prior to the racketeering laws, different time guy got 10 years maybe he'll do five, he'll do five. gets out on parole anybody can do that kind of thing yeah no yeah. big deal but even 10 years you got 15 years you're coming out you're doing seven or eight you go back into business with the rico law that's it get it you do you get 20 you're doing 17 and a half yeah and you're lucky if you get 20 you're lucky you might get 30 40 that's it 30 40 50 yes they were giving out you know one of the things that convinced me that the life was really in trouble mm. When I got locked up on uh, on the gas case, you know, that was yeah. one of the counts, the RICO case, I'm in jail with guys that were going to trial, getting convicted, 70 years, 100 years, 150 years. Uh, Vic Arena got 300 years running wild, 100, 100, 100, 300 years. 300 years. 300 years. So he's got no shot. <laughs> no shot. 
So I'm looking at these guys and I'm saying, my God, I'm the youngest out of all of them. If I get convicted, they're going to give me 500 years. I'm never going to see the light, ever. Oh. So that's one of the reasons why I said, I got to try to cut my losses. That's why I took the plea. It was part of that reason. I said, mm. this is in a lot of trouble. And, and I was right about that. I mean, look, the life changed dramatically in the mid-'80s. And you got to give Giuliani the credit or the blame, depending upon what side you're on, because right. he used the racketeering laws effectively. The RICO law. Absolutely. It was on the books since 1970. Guy by the Ed DeBakey wrote the law. But nobody was using it. The government wasn't using it. The feds weren't using it. Giuliani figured out how to use it. And do you know how? He told the story. You know what he did, right? No. Joe Bonanno's book. Uh, what the heck was the name of it? Joe Bonanno wrote a book, something, thy father, I forget the name of it. And he describes the mafia as a family. And he goes into all of this stuff. And Giuliani, who told me this himself, he said it many times publicly, was personally offended by the way Joe Bonanno depicted the mafia. He says, as an Italian-American, I'm offended by this. And a lot of Italian-Americans were. Mm -hmm. He made it sound like we were the most, uh, you know, we were the best group in the whole world. Right. And Giuliani went to visit Bonanno. And after he read the book and realized, he said, Joe Bonanno's book laid out the entire commission case for me. He laid it out for me in the book. And that's how he went after and prosecuted all the bosses. He got it right out of Bonanno's book. That was the blueprint. Wow. So that's why sometimes the wise guys, they shouldn't write books when they're still in the mob. <laughs> Not when they're still wise guys. Not no. when they're still wise guys. <laughs> no. Wow. Now, that's, they, now they get a YouTube channel. <laughs> you know. But they're all out anyway. These when did you decide guys. to get a YouTube channel? When did that happen? How did that happen? Pandemic hits. I got 44 or 45 speaking dates postponed. I'm sitting at home for the first time in 25 years. I'm not traveling. I'm saying, right. what am I going to do? And my team said, why don't you start a YouTube channel? I said, YouTube? I wasn't interested at all. Right, I said, right, hey, you got to right. do something. I said, okay. So we start this YouTube channel, and uh, it just blew yeah, up. Yeah, you exploded. It blew up. I, I can't explain it. Yeah, I mean, it was the same thing, the pandemic. My, my one-man show, my movie got canceled. My TV show got postponed. So I just said, I got to do something. I got to talk. So I started a, a YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And by the way, if you haven't seen Chaz's one-man show, and I love The Bronx Tale, probably seen it 10 times. Um, I can recite all the lines, but I won't right now. But you got to see the one-man show. Chaz, it's brilliant. Oh, really. thank you. I thank mean, you. to be on the stage with a chair, that's it. That's the prop, a chair. A chair. And to be all those different characters and, and, and deliver the lines the way you did. It's a magnificent show. And let me tell you something. How many, how many years you doing that show? 34. 34 years. Anybody that can do anything right for 34 <laughs> years, you really got it covered, man. Really. 34 years. And we're going to go to London. We're going to do the West End. I don't have the date yet, but uh, people just got to go to chasbomterry.net and you'll see my schedule. But uh, I'm excited by that. But the amazing thing was, Michael, I, I think I asked you once before, well, you, had a few, you said you had a few defining moments in your life. Mm -hmm. What, what, what would you say was like the biggest defining moment? I guess, were you in solitary when you were in solitary? I was solitary? in solitary, yeah. The, the biggest, I mean, the biggest impact on me, obviously, was when the first night they put me in the hole. I had done five years. I was out on parole 13 months like a fool. I violated my parole, fell into a trap, totally my fault. And they sent me back to prison. Government was mad at me. I wasn't cooperating the way they wanted me to. And they told me they were going to put another case on me. They were going to violate my parole and that I would never see the street again. 
That was it. They said, you're done. We're putting you away. They were extremely upset with me. I mean, and the government could do anything they want. Absolutely. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, they're not always like they do the right thing either now. Let's be honest. No. I mean, Chaz, look, it's, it's more obvious today than ever, but, you know, people... People got their own lives, and they're not focusing on what the government is doing all the time. But they, they play a lot of games. Look, I said this all the time, just to, to diverse a minute. My dad did a lot of bad things, no question about it, in that life. But the particular crime that he did 40 years in prison for, my dad was innocent of. He was not a bank robber. I'll take that to my grave. I, I investigated, investigated the cases thoroughly. We spoke to every witness that testified against him. They all recanted their testimony. We gave them a lie detector test, brought them to the media. The media gave them a lie detector test, Newsday. They passed the test, proved they all lied at the trial. We could never get the conviction overturned. And so many people now, reporters and ex-FBI agents said, you know, we never believed Sonny was guilty of that. It was a bad case. It was a bad case. Agents told me that after. So he got, he went away for the things that he did do and he didn't get caught. And that's what they say. Well, your father got away with a lot of stuff. Okay, but, no, that, no, but that's not the way. That's not goes. the way it works. That's not the way it works, pal. No, because if you could say that, you could say, "Well, I think you got away with this, so I'm going to get you on this." It's not the way our government works. No, you, you know, know? yeah, I, I I get concerned by that. I really do. You know, when I was growing up, I I, I used to look at other governments, banana republics, and I go, "Wow, thank God I don't live in that country." But I get concerned by the way sometimes what our government does things. Jazz, yeah. listen, I've seen it all my life, uh, you know, and, and I, I don't want to, you know, make this all about that. No, but, it's not about that. You know, but no. it, it's, it's the people in the government. You know, you know who the most powerful people are in this country? Who? Prosecutors. Right. They can bring a case against you with totally false information, send you to jail, gets overturned later, and nothing happens to them. Nothing. So uh, they could just lie. They could just lie. And they do it. I can show you so many cases, documented cases, where they withheld information knowingly, where the, where the judges bawled them out, called them, how dare you do this in my courtroom, threw the evidence out after a guy does 15, 20 years in jail, and nothing happens to them. Destroy a life, oh, no, destroy no, no. a family. They should be accountable for that. They're That's not held right. accountable. And I'm not, I'm not talking out of turn because look, no, no, this they is should stuff be accountable I've, for that. I've looked at my whole life. You but know? that's the problem with what's going on. Nobody's ever, there's nobody's ever accountability for anything. No. Well, it depends what side you're on. You know, if who's, who's, who's where and, you know, who, if you're in favor with one team at one point, you get a break. If you're not, they'll come after you, you know? Wow. And it's stuff that we just, as citizens, we got to be concerned of. And, you know, people just, people got to take care of their own lives. It's not like they're focused on this. Right. Right. So it's not the people that are so ignorant. And if they are ignorant, it's not a mean ignorant. They gotta, right. you know, they're worried about putting food on their table, gas in their car. You know, they don't see what's going on. But we have to be, we have to watch it. We got to be protective of that. What, what would you say? Because I played, I did a movie um, uh, years ago called Excellent Cadavers, where I played Judge Giovanni Falcone. Mm -hmm. Judge Giovanni Falcone is the one who put the mob away in Sicily. Right. But they ended up assassinating him, right? And his and his partner Mussolini, yeah. and I. It was a great movie called Excellent Cadavers. Uh, if you get a chance to see it, it's really mm -hmm. great. And I had to study his life because when I went there, I, I had to play him, and I studied his life for a, a long time before I played him. And the mafia in Sicily 
was totally different than the mafia in America. Yes. I mean, they killed cops. They, yep. they killed 150 policemen. They killed judges. Yep. They killed Supreme Court judges. They killed the general of the army. Yes. Because they were so corrupt, Michael. A third of the government was corrupt there. And the guy who did it was uh, Totorina. Mm-hmm. And, um, and F. Murray Abrahams played Totorina. Mm. And, um, and it was fascinating to me that they could do that and get away with it. Yeah. We're here... You couldn't kill a cop, right? If you killed a cop, you were done. Yeah, the wrath would really come down. I mean, if somebody you. look, I know there was was there a contract on Giuliani? There, it was never like a held fast contract, but it was certainly spoken about. Uh, that I, there was two people that I know that were government and media that had a contract on them. One was Giuliani, and the other one was Geraldo Rivera. Geraldo Rivera. Yes, he was hated back then by the mob. Yes. Yes. So there was, when you say, was there a contract or there was thought of a contract? It was thought, it was, it was talked about. Talked, yes. so, and that's very rare to even talk about it. it. Yes, and it was talked about with a degree of seriousness, where, ah, oh, I'd like to kill that guy, I wish I, but this was talked about with a degree of seriousness, but since all five families had agreed, we don't kill cops, we don't kill law enforcement, we don't go after politicians in that way, we don't hurt families. It was just talked about. It probably would have never been approved. If, and if, if one boss would have did it on his own, it would have been frowned upon by the rest of the families, and that's not right. I mean, uh, back then, the heat would have been oh, yeah. insane, right? Absolutely. You know, that, look, I get, I get hit upon this all the time when I tell people, during my time in that life, we were not allowed to deal in drugs. I was told... The day that uh, um, uh, I was proposed for my dad, and I sat down with my boss at the time, he said, if you do drugs, you die. Told me straight out. The night I took the oath, you get involved in drugs, you die. Now, were some people doing it on the side? Yes. Because guys that really couldn't earn a living, they would do whatever they had to do. If they got to, you know, make a couple of deals, they would do it. But we weren't allowed to do it. I know guys that got killed for it. For doing it. my my dad, this guy was with my dad. It's public. I can talk about. His name was Tony Orgello, Big Tony the Gawk, right? Was a soldier. Was under my dad. Then was under me. When I took uh, took over, my dad went away. He got involved in a drug deal with the boss's son, and an undercover agent. This is a true story. I'm on a uh, a plane going to Florida, and just before I go, I find out that he comes to see me, rather, and he says to me, Michael, I'm in trouble. And he tells me what happened. I got mad at him, and I felt bad because he was, he was almost like my uncle. And I said, Tony, why did you do this? You know we're not supposed to be doing this. Oh, Mom, I'm sorry. I said, all right, don't worry about it. You're a good guy. You've been around here a long time. You're close to my dad. I said, I'll straighten it out. This is what I told him. He says to me, Mike, I'm in trouble. I said, I'm going to straighten it out. I get on a plane, I go to Flyers, just wait till I come back, I had to go down for two days. I land the plane, I get a call from somebody, Tony went into a phone booth and blew his brains out. Because he didn't want to get walked in a room and get killed because he had done a drug deal. Wow. Now, people said to me, Michael, Vito Genovese was involved in drugs, and this guy, and I keep telling them, I understand that, but they were doing it on the side. We weren't big drug dealers. 
The Sicilians from Italy, absolutely. Pizza connection and all of that. But we weren't involved in that. Mm. And everybody thinks that, uh, I said, look, I, uh, if we were involved in drugs, I'd say we were involved in drugs. What's the big deal? Now, was Gotti involved in drugs? I think his underbosses were, yeah. right? Yeah, and look, was Gotti, did he know what was going on or did he not? I don't know. Was he you getting know? kicked up? I'm sure he was. Yeah, I mean, you know. But listen, that's why Castellano was upset with him. That's why he was going to go after him, because of the drug dealing and his crew. I don't, was the chin involved with drugs? I don't think so. I don't believe so. I never heard it. I never, I never I heard, heard it either. He was. So I never heard that he was. But, you know, this is why, see, on one hand, people say, oh, come on. And then on the other hand, Gotti is, is getting a contract on him for dealing with drugs. And that's the truth. So no, I, I knew this wise guy, and I won't mention his name, but he's a made guy. He's not around anymore. And he, and he was hitting on this... This ex, it was a wise guy's daughter. And she wasn't young. She was in her, you know, 30s, late 30s. And he was hitting on her. And and the guy said to me, they said, you know, she's so-and-so's daughter. He goes, oh, really? He goes, goes, I know. But make believe we didn't know. He goes, because I want to. So he he was kind of like make believe we didn't know when I was hitting on her, you know. I I mean, there are some, there are rules. But some of these guys break the rules, right or wrong? Absolutely. Some guys do. And that's that's a cardinal rule. You don't mess with somebody's wife or daughter or sister. You don't do that. You don't do was, it. No. When I was younger, I wasn't. I was a recruit. I wasn't even straightened out yet. And I was at a flea market. Right. I was running this market for another guy, and uh, there was a girl there that I was attracted to, and we started fooling around a little bit. I found out she was married. I don't know. I find out she's Persico's niece. Right. <sighs> I said, hey, we're done. That's it. We're Finished. done. Over with. I said, I don't even want to talk to you again. I was, Oh, my God. I was at a club. I'll never forget it. It was called The Joker's Wild on Pelham Parkway. And I was young. And I knew this girl there. And uh, her father was away. And at the end of the night, I, I saw her outside. She goes, my girlfriend's left me. Could you give me a lift home? And I knew she lived in the neighborhood, so I said, "Well, yeah, okay." You know, not just thinking. Well, gee, yeah. it's just, let me take care of her. You know, she gets in the car, and I'm driving to her house, and I park in front of her house, and the car's double parked, and she's looking at me. Her name was Marie, and she goes, "Thank you so much for taking me." And and I'm just looking at her. I'm going. I don't know, I just looked around, I just didn't feel right. I go, I'm in front of a house, she's in a car. If one guy from the neighborhood goes by, you know how things get to, Absolutely. when they get to the boss? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I saw him in the car, the next minute they were kissing. I was so nervous after that, I just said, you know what, I gotta go, Marie. Just, I took you home, it's okay. What, what's the matter? No, no, I, I gotta go. I was like, I had to get out of there, man. I just had to get out of there. I was like, I, I wanted no part of that. I get it. You know, listen, I mean, my dad always told me, he said, Mike, if you go over another made guy's house and he's not home and his wife invites you in, you don't walk in the door. That's right. You don't walk in the door. When I was first dating my wife, her sister came, this was back in the 80s, her sister came over to stay with me yeah. in, uh, in New York and she was in the house that I had, had gotten. Right. And while her sister came, I moved out. You moved out. Yeah, I said because yeah, you can't stay. People's gonna say something. No, people gonna, go, yeah. people gonna say things. So you just go. I told you, I was a young boy. I dated this wise guy, and he was a made guy. I dated his daughter. I won in the, for the first time. She came running down the steps. She wanted to get me out of it. I could tell. 
She goes, oh, thanks, Dad. Oh, okay, okay, let's go, Chaz. And I was about ready to leave, and he just said, hey, oh, I just want to talk to you a second. Her father said this, and he, I told you, I think I told you this, he gave me the elbow walk. Yeah. You know when they grab your buddy oh, elbow yeah. and they hold they on you. tight? Yeah. And he just said, hey, Chaz, you know, you take care of her, right? I went, yeah, yeah. That's all he had to do. Yeah. I know what he meant. Exactly. And as I was walking out the door, her brother ran down. Her brother was like 18, 19. You know, and you know the wise guy's sons that are worst. He came running down the steps. And he said, hey, man, C, they call me C. He goes, hey, C, I'll take care of my sister. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and he put something in my hand. And as I was walking out the door, I look, it was a forty-five bullet. And I was like, the heck? what the fuck is this? Yeah. I got mad. I wanted to go back in and straighten him out. She said, I'll talk, oh my God, I'll talk to my father. And the, the father made him apologize to me next time I saw him. But, you know, but I understood that. But I, w- I want to, because you asked me a question, I didn't answer it. Defining moment. Yes. Okay. First night, I go back in a hole. Right. And they tell me I'm never going to see the light again. That's it. I'm going to spend right. the rest of my night, life in jail. I'm 39 or 40 years old. And it was, for me, it was a faith issue. It was a prison guard that handed me a Bible. And... I started to really review my life, and I said, listen, I may spend the rest of my life in this six-by-eight cell, because I had everybody was upset with me. The government was upset with right. me. The streets upset me. I said, I'm done. And I started reading the book. It started with me with the book of Proverbs. Right. And this is when I got into my faith, and it was a defining moment. Am I staying in this life, or am I going to make the move? And it was, just, it was that whole night, Jez. It wasn't a moment. It was the whole night. It was the worst night of my life, without a doubt, um, because mentally, emotionally, every I was just shot, and um, it just set me on a different path. It's when and everything sunk so in. So when everything sunk in on that day, you never backslided after that. It was always that moment it set you on the path. Yeah, because what had happened, I don't know if you know this, but our family, the Columbos, went to war. That's right. In '91, my father had gotten in touch with me. And this was after the talk was that I was leaving the life. And people were upset with me. And my boss right away, because, you know, everybody was upset. And my dad, I'll never forget the call. He said to me, you need to stop the baloney. We need help here now. The family's going to war. And I'm on parole. My wife, you know, and I, I'm, I was so torn because Ooh. I said, how can I betray my guys and not help? I said, my father is calling on me, and uh, everything was going through my head. It was an emotional tug of war. And I had, in my mind, made the decision to break my parole and go back. Because I knew if I went back to New York, it would have been a violation wow. if I didn't put it on record with them. And I'm about to do that, Chaz. Two days later, I get violated, and they throw me in the hole, right? I'm in the hole the entire time the war went on. Wow. It was the best thing. Oh, yeah. It, it, was, it was, you know, me in the hole. Meanwhile, 13 guys got killed. 63 guys, I think, went to jail. And 18 guys turned informant in the Colombo family. So I would have been... One of those guys. One of those guys, without a doubt. So the three, the, the three years, almost four years, I, the three years I spent and, and 29 months in the hole saved my life. God put you in there. 100%. God put you in the hole. 100%. He Jesus. did. And that's why you are who you are today. 100%. Michael, I always said it, a thousand novels I could write with you. and We might. We might. <laughs> We're going to be doing our show, folks. Palmetary Francis, The Wise and the Wise Guy, coming soon. Watch it. Look for it. 
Michael, it's been a pleasure. You're always so like, nice. not only are you a great storyteller, uh, you're a great guy, a great father, yeah. and you're a, you know, you, you turned your life around, and that's that says something. Well, you know what, Jazz, I've been very blessed. And I, I, I want to tell people this. You don't do this alone. Right. You know, I always say in life, you follow the path. You, you, it's who you are accountable to in life. Right. That's the path that you're going to follow. I got very fortunate. Became accountable to my God, my wife, my kids, the people that trusted in me to, to try to keep it on the right path. And That's I've great. been fortunate. Michael, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much, guys. That was our show for today. Don't forget to go to chazpometary.net. Want to see the one-man show? Merchandise, everything's there. God bless you all, and look out for the show, The Wise and the Wise Guy.